Welcome to another edition of That Stack of Books. I'm Steve Scher. You know, we've taken a short hiatus. We haven't been recording our shows at the Bryant Corner Cafe. We will be back there shortly. But in the meantime, don't forget, join us July 23rd at Town Hall. We will be downstairs at Town Hall at 7.30 talking about books, talking with some authors, and talking with you about the books you read and the things you enjoy. Hope you'll be there. It's That Stack of Books. I'm Steve Scher. I'm Nancy Pearl. We are here at the Bryant Corner Cafe with a room full of people. <laughs> oh, they're all busy reading. And um, some thoughts about books in translation. Why were you even thinking about this? Well, actually, I think, Roz, were you the person who... You were, yeah, I think a a couple weeks ago, Roz said, well, maybe we could talk about books in translation. And um, that kind of made me think about how, first of all, we don't, in, in the United States, we're not blessed with very many books in translation, given what everybody... Given what's published in France and Spain and Germany, just to name three big European uh, uh, literary centers, we don't get very many of the books. And so people often feel put off by the thought of something in translation because reading something in translation, you're, you're sometimes not reading colloquial English. And it sounds, it's, it, it sounds choppy. It sounds different from the way people talk and think in the kind of books that we're used to. I started looking at my bookshelves for books in translation and, you know, I did not find very many. One of them that I did find is a book called Lost by a German writer named Hans Ulrich Treischel, which is set during World War II and immediately after. And it's about a family, um, a mother, father, a, a little boy who's about eight and a newborn baby they're about to be taken off to a concentration camp and the mother gives the baby to a stranger and years later they start trying to find that child and then things go on it's a very slim book i mean it's tiny 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 it is so wonderful but what makes it so wonderful for an American reader is that it's translated by somebody who I think is the greatest translator um, that we have working today and she translates almost exclusively or perhaps just exclusively from the German and her name is Carol Brown Janeway and and I've always felt that you could do far worse than just read the books that Carol Brown Janeway has, has translated so she's translated pretty much every Every um, every bestseller in translation, Carol Brown Janeway has been very close to that to that work. For example, she translated *The Reader*, the Bernhard Schlink book. She translated *Perfume*, which is um, one of the eeriest. It's not a book I loved at all. Um, she translated *Embers* which was very popular a few years ago. And she translated um, one of my favorite German, young German novelists, a man named Daniel Kelman, um, who wrote a book called, uh, one of his books is called Measuring the World, and the other is called F. His newest book is called F. And 
and she just won a big award or recently won a big award in Germany as as somebody who has kind of advanced German literature and Daniel Kelman spoke and said that that she takes his books and makes them by both of them you know she is not just translating word by word but she's translating it's and it's a great skill it's a great skill and Robert Haas um, used to translate um, Miłosz the Czech poet um, and he did not speak the language you know he just he trans I mean he got a translation and then turned it into poetry and I think that is just so marvelous so um, yeah, I think it's something that we lose out on as Americans. Katie here. I'm good friends with the writer Robert Fulgham, and he, I, he's very popular in the Czech Republic. He's been translated in tons of countries, but for whatever reason, the Czech Republic, he's a best-selling author still today in the Czech Republic. So I asked him about that once. Why there? Why do you resonate there? And he said, I can only imagine that my translator is amazing. Like that that person is writing better than I'm writing. I always thought that was an interesting idea. Roz, why, why translated books? Well, I think that partly because I, I had just read one. So my book club just discussed Rue, which is the All Canada Reads book this year. And it's written by a Vietnamese immigrant who left Vietnam at age 10 in 1979. And... Um, ended up, she lives in Montreal now, she's in Eastern Canada, and so it's a memoir. She calls it a novel, but I'm sure it's extremely autobiographical, and it's very poetic. The chapters are little short vignettes. Um, it's well written, it's interesting, it's a quick read, but you know, it's in translation, so I, we, I had, this was fresh. But after suggesting that topic and people saying to me, well, I don't think I've read anything in translation, I went home and immediately picked a dozen different books off my shelf, from Anna Karenina to Ibsen to Strindberg to things I'd read a long time ago, and some Japanese novels that I read through book club 20, 25 years ago, and some of the books that have stuck with me the most have been nonfiction. And so the bookseller of Kabul, I also read because, I, well, maybe I took it to book club. I don't know. I can't remember why I read this, but... It was probably my first introduction to that part of the country, of, of the world, that part of the world, and Afghanistan and what women were like. And the, it's by a Norwegian journalist who had, was pretty much embedded in the front lines in Iraq and Afghanistan for six weeks and ended up in Kabul in this bookstore. And so she got invited to dinner, she bought books, she made friends, she got invited to stay in the bookseller's home with his family, and she spent a couple of months there. And she wrote this book. And it's quite amazing. It reads like fiction. It's just a really stunning story of the Taliban had just kind of left, been deposed, um, and kind of what that had been like, but what it was like now. And it's a completely male hierarchical culture, and in the course of this time, nothing changed. But the bookseller sued her after she wrote this book for kind of defaming him. And But, you know, she doesn't mince any words. It's about politics. It's about the Taliban and the drug running and the... the the bookseller had been in prison and he'd had his books burned by the communists and then by the Taliban. And, and just a quick summer read, Shadow of the Wind by Zafon, which is not new, but it takes place in Barcelona. That was just a really good read about antiquarian bookseller and it was fun. So I just had all these different things. And then Per Pedersen from Norway and I think last time I'd mentioned A Mystery by a um, 
Danish biologist, and so I've just found all these books, and um, but I've discovered kind of the seems like the most are either Norwegian writers or or Scandinavian writers or um, Japanese writers that are translated. Well, your list is funny, especially the the first list, because of course. Uh, what isn't is translated? Funny? The Greeks, the, the Romans, right, right, right. the Bible. You know, the Bible was written in English, right? You knew that, right? It was written. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so much of what we read is in translation. I guess we have to depend on the, the great translation. And we don't think about it, yeah. I thought God translated the Bible for yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> after, after the Tower of Babel fell. Did anybody else bring in any books in translation that they wanted to talk about? Um, this is Robin, and there's so many books that I found um, that I liked that were in translation. And, and um, the one I wanted to talk about today, go back to it, it was written in 1946 by Miguel Angel Asturias called El Senor Presidente. He's a Guatemalan writer. This is really one of the first modern novels of magic realism and Asturias was an interesting guy. He was a diplomat and a writer. Spent most of his time in exile because his uh, novels were seen and they were critical of the Guatemalan uh, government and uh, El Senor Presidente is, uh, is this, uh, a great picture of political corruption, greed, and uh, it gets into the president who's framing people for the murders of other people to get rid of them in the cabinet. It's, it, would, it would really resonate with people who um, like the kind of political intrigue of Watergate, but it's also lyrical and evocative like a lot of these um, magic realist uh, novels tend to be. He won the Nobel Prize later for literature and um, lived until 1974, but I, I just, this book struck me so much. If uh, anyone hasn't read this kind of magical realist uh, uh, fiction and wanted an introduction, I think it's an excellent book. And I think I read it before I read Garcia Marquez in 100 Years of Solitude, another great book in translation. Of course, it's you know just that, right? We wouldn't have even known magical realism but for the fact that there were translators. You, you, know, you, you mentioned this translator, Carol Brown Janeway, and that seems to raise two sort of philosophical questions. One is, um, is there a debate? Have you read about a debate among translators? Either you have two voices, two writers, or you have somebody being very uh, uh, specific in their translation, right? And maybe losing the author's voice. I think that the best translators would say that they work with the author uh, in, in, and, and share the translation back and forth. Um, I think she talks about that that somewhere. But you know, there's a there's the the, the great Russian writers have been tra retranslated from the original. Um, Anna Karenina and um, War and Peace. Constance Garnett was the was the version that I read in college, the old modern library versions of those, and then they've been retranslated, and they're very, very, very different. Different translations throughout the eons right. have given us different books. It seems like the goal depends on whether you consider it's kind of an artificial divide between literature and just really good storytelling, because most of the things that I've read in translation were mystery series or crime novels, like Batyagur, 
which really captures the flavor of Israel, even though it's, how would I know if it was well translated or not, but you feel like you're in Israel when you read them, or, or any of the Scandinavian, you know, darker novels, whether it's, you know, everyone knows about the girl with the tra- dragon tattoo, but there's, there's just a huge number of, there's Icelandic, there's Finnish, there's Danish, there's wonderful series of translated Scandinavian novels, and somehow the psyche of those novels must match up with the psycho, psyche of American, even more than the French or the American um, connect up, because so many are really successful when they're translated. But who, who knows if it's just the story or the point of view that is what connects Americans to Scandinavian writing. Do you, do you know, Nancy, how they pick which books get translated to an American audience? At the Frankfurt Book Fair or, or you know, uh, some big international book fair, I think book scouts, uh, publishers from the United States go and look at the bestsellers in, in other countries and work and buy the books. So I think, again, it's, it's what sells um, and, whether, and whether it will quite literally translate into American tastes and then get a translator. Well, I, I just feel that we live in a time where we have a lot more translations, and you see on them bestseller in Australia, bestseller in France, and we, we have access to a lot more. Um, and I was thinking, I recently, in the last couple of years, read the Infer- Dante's Inferno and the Charity Edition, and then Mary Jo Bang did a new one, which was very relevant to modern life. So like you were saying, it, it, things change, and there's lots of differences in translations. In the 60s, we would read a certain translation of a certain thing, but more and more. Also, I was just thinking that um, sometimes we're lucky enough to have something translated that doesn't seem to resonate with American culture, and we get a real window, for those of us who don't speak other languages, into other cultures. Orhan Pamuk who wrote a book called Snow, I never would have understood Turkey in the way he laid Turkey out. And he had a translator who clearly was sympathetic to that because that was a foreign culture, a foreign vision that I was, you know, I felt privileged to go into. I just had a a question for Nancy, and and you've kind of touched on this, but there was a new translation of The Tin Drum by Gunter Grass that came out three or four years ago, and it was praised for being a better version of the earlier book, which got a lot of praise too, um, because it captured more of the humor of the characters and that another kind of an off, uh, um, a a novel that included some magic realism and other techniques in fiction. But I was wondering um, uh, about authors you've heard about that have been disappointed with translations or they say, well, this really didn't capture what I meant or, or that readers have said that about books that have been widely praised. And I don't know, it sort of gets into the idea of whether we can really translate everything that will resonate with our experience or our sense of humor. And yeah, that's I, I, I have not, um, I have not talk to anybody who, who ever who was you know just very disappointed with the translation I, I mean I, I think more it's that we don't know what we're missing um, when we're reading a translation and 
and and I think that that's I only speak I don't speak a foreign language so I'm never going to read um I'm never going to read um, uh, Sartre in uh, in French, or um, even more to the point, Simone de Beauvoir, which I would really love to have read in French. I, I mean, that's so sad. That's sad for me as a reader, and I think that so many Americans are in that same situation. So I think translations are they're a mystery. You know, they're a mystery. What makes them connect? What what, what we connect with about them, and and what we find off-putting. So there was this review in the New York Times book review of the recent translation of Anna Karenina, and the, the reviewer basically was com- was basically was comparing different translations, but not only were they different, the reviewer was saying they changed the Tolstoy's meaning, uh, and that becomes very important. A colleague told me recently that he had read a um, uh, an, an essay about Charles Darwin's reaction to a German translation of his Descent of Man, and he was very upset about it because some of his conclusions and ideas were changed by the translator. (laughs) And when you get into science, that becomes really important. So translation uh, is a a big deal. Also, it's interesting to see you there with that Murakami book. Which is, yeah, well, here's a bestseller. Speaking of is, magical realism, it's yeah. the only magical realism I've ever read, and I would not have read it except the book was given to us by our, our niece. And I, I got all the way through it, but I found it a very difficult read. And there were parts of it that I actually liked a lot, and other parts of it that uh, left me pretty cold. Yeah, of course, the Wind-Up Bird Chronicles, uh, Chronicle, of course, Murakami, difficult probably in Japanese as well. Well this is a twist on everything but I like Nancy uh, looked around for books that had been translated. One of them was by Narudin Farah Maps and I thought this book would be translated could have been translated it's about being in um, Somalia. The twist is he's Somalian but he learned English his identity is with Somalia, and how that might affect his writing. I'm just throwing this out as a thought. Yeah, nice question. follow-up. Another show, another topic. Writers writing in English, but having come from other cultures. I mean, because Murakami is is fluent in English, and yet all his books are translated from Japanese. So Rue was is written by a Vietnamese woman but she has been living in Canada since she was 10 and she wrote the book in French so it was translated from French into English. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to That Stack of Books. Don't forget to join us July 23rd at Town Hall at 7.30. We will be recording an episode of our podcast, invite you to be in the audience, talk about books, take a quiz or two, maybe win some prizes. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening.